Extending the choir this time on Culture File with composer Eugene Berman. Berman's work, Lamentations, brings together ecclesiastical Latin and strange rants, using not only every trick in the choral book, but some that Berman's in the process of adding. Lamentations gets its Irish premiere from Chamber Choir Ireland this week as part of the programme called Soul Piece with guest director Neil Schweckendieck. Before that, Eugene Berman spoke to Culture File about funky texts, the boundlessness of the human voice and his addiction to getting the choir whistling. This piece of it originally uh, came about a little bit strangely because I was just, I was getting into writing for choir. It was quite new for me and it was something that I wanted to do and didn't have, it's, it's a bit tricky to get experience writing for choir because you need a choir. There's no good plug-in for that yet then. No, and and I I really have a policy of only working with live musicians anyway. It's it's for me it's very very important to have this relationship. So Neil Schweckendieck kind of championed this piece a little bit. It was one of the when I started writing it, it was still a bit abstract, and and I was just getting into choir, and he encouraged me to uh, to make more from it, and and it grew into something that's really you know quite close to 20 minutes long. It's appeared on my first uh, CD with the Helsinki Chamber Choir. You are known for um, some funky choices of text, but there you went for Latin text. Well, in fact, this piece is not fully in Latin, so there is a little funky uh, point uh, in the in the final movement. There is uh, the inclusion of a text from well, it's called the Prayer of Manasseh, which is a, an apocryphal text. Uh, it's listed in some uh, some different versions of the Bible, but in most it was it was uh, excised. Uh, and that one is in English, actually, and it's supposed to be delivered in the voice of a kind of a, uh, almost an apocalyptic street preacher. Do not give me over to be tried with you, oh my God. They are conspiring against me. They tell lies to me. So I've kept my tradition of funky text, I think. But in general, uh, <laughs> th- th- this piece ha- is, uh, indeed, it's in Latin, and, and I wanted to approach writing religious music for choir, which is perhaps the most standard thing you can do as a composer writing for choir, um, from a different perspective and actually to take uh, for once a text that is very, uh, very much part of the, it's part of the liturgy, it's part of the the, the sort of the continuum of, of uh, vocal work and try to put a new perspective on it. So sometimes, um, often in my work, the text is, is coming from very strange places, from Twitter, from um, European Union kind of, legal texts and and various other things but here i i thought perhaps the music can can do something that the text is not used to what the voice can do unlike any other instrument is really really boundless uh it's a matter of seeing beyond your one's own limitations as a, as a performer, as a singer, also as a composer, and, and seeing what's possible. And I've just been very lucky to work with singers who are willing to do that, and also conductors who can explain to singers, um, this doesn't seem like it's possible, but actually you can try it and, and see, see where it leads to. Uh, and so with each piece, I'm pushing this further and further. Perhaps that, that narrows down the, the pool, but I think the pool is always expanding. And for me, one of the exciting things about contemporary music is instead of making things more complex or more... Uh, somehow more, uh, I don't know, academic or something, um, we can make things more expressive. And one of those ways is extending the possibility of the voice.
And when you do that, you also have to sort of extend the possibilities of what you can notate. Right. You have to kind of invent uh, ways of communicating. Yes. Uh, notation, notation is always relevant, but notation is just a way of... Uh, it's a it's a language. It's an instruction booklet, essentially, for any musician to understand what the composer is getting at. So for, notation is really everything in that sense because it's the way that it's what I present to the to the musician. Um, in in all cases, and also the, to the conductor. The conductor is such an important part of of articulating what the composer wants always. So, but notation is always behind uh, historically what uh, composers want to do. And I think it's okay for it to be like that. Um, it's actually good that notation is behind because it means that we are still, there's still something for us to find that we haven't found yet. I'm working on something right now, which is for the Gulbenkian Choir, which is a, a choir of 70 to 100 singers in, in Portugal, in Lisbon. And so I wanted them to do this half whistle effect for a long time, which is like this harmony oscillating. The way you do that is, is to sort of do a trill over your lips with the whistle and everything. and how can you notate these things, which are just basically very, very subtle projections of the voice with, with you know, I would say like hand percussion or something. But, you know, once it gets notated and if a choir can do it or if an ensemble can do it, then it eventually becomes standard notation by somebody if it if it really works. And, and I think the point is that we're sort of guessing what might make sense. Uh, it's like inventing hieroglyphics, you know, it's, uh, it's neologisms. And then we just kind of hope that they, they get picked up. Uh, and if they don't, then we go back to the drawing board and create something that maybe is closer. But my, my perspective is that simpler is always better. Fewer explanations, always better. So I'm looking for symbols that, that can express something for a choir, even something as simple as doing a tremolo over your lips while you're whistling, uh, which is a simple sound to explain by conversation, but is actually just there, there isn't a symbol for that in music yet. We're just trying to find something that works. So in Lamentations, actually, there's a lot of use of whistle. I, I've started I, my, my journey of whistle, uh, which I would really like to end. It's sort of an addiction on the whistle. Uh, and I hope I will end it. I keep I keep telling myself, there's no nicotine patch for this, unfortunately. The nicotine patch is when it sounds really bad in a premiere, then probably that will end. What's appealing about the whistle? Uh, what's appealing about it, you know, because it extends, extends the range of the choir higher. So you can only write for a soprano so high. And, and uh, of course, then, if you want to write something in the really high register, then you're leaving out the men, generally. And um, if, you, if you can use the whistle and, and they can really tune it and harmonize it, then you can create uh, harmonies that are much, much higher than, than what we expect is a, is a choir range. So Lamentations, for example, you will hear uh, in, in the second movement and most quite a bit in the second movement, the use of whistle not as a kind of an effect of, you know, um, hey you, <laughs> but but actually as, as a way of extending the range of the choir higher. And for me, that's just a really interesting thing to do because otherwise the choir is limited, right? We um, The human voice only goes so high, except in, maybe in some very special singers in opera. But if you can and at harmony with the whistle, you have actually the range of the piccolo, the flute, and the high violin that we just didn't have before. Eugene Berman there, and his Lamentations will be one of the works in Chamber Choir Ireland's Soul Peace concert at All Hallows Chapel Drumcondra, Dublin, on Friday, November 12th at 8pm. <laughs>